It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. All right, hope your Sunday morning's going well, J.C. Sherbert, ITG Daily Recruiting Special. I got nothing on the basketball game last night, so this is being pre-recorded. I am in St. Louis as we speak. God willing, hope I'll make it down there. Um, but said we're going to go through some other positions. Going to go wide receivers, tight ends. Um, didn't do it, you know, signing day because we were waiting on Jakari Caldwell to kind of get in the boat. You know, this receiver position has been really interesting as far as South Carolina goes. Um, I think in terms of, like, good receivers, the Gamecocks continue to have guys. Uh, I don't know if they have enough. I think that in the last four years, you know, Thank God there were times when, you know, Debo Samuel, Brian Edwards, and Shai Smith were all healthy. Uh, kind of no coincidence that some of the better offensive games the Gamecocks had were when those guys were all healthy and catching passes and didn't have a case of the drops. I think the drops are an issue. Uh, I think when you look at the recruiting, uh, this is the one position you can kind of look at and go, well, why didn't they take that guy? Or why didn't they recruit this guy? Or why, you know – why did they take this guy over that guy? And everybody talks about Jalen Hyatt and the kid from Dutch Fork, and I wish him the best at Tennessee, and you cannot coach his speed. That is true. Um, but those are the types of decisions that you make as a coaching staff when you're talking about in-state guys. Uh, if you pass, um, and forgive the motorcycle outside my window, I hope this guy uh, you know, really gets his rocks off. <laughs> with the with the no muffler deal there, I'm just kidding. He doesn't know I'm recording a podcast. Good for him. It's only like you know uh, a sunny day today, so I guess that would be uh, good for him. But um, anyway, I f- apologize for the, that distraction. Uh, I think that uh, you know you look at Jalen Hyde, you look at the decision, and, and you go, well, you know, let, let's hope that Mike Wyman, Rico Powers, Jakari Caldwell are all better. Because if it's not, if it's not, if 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 you get if you went and got Jalen Hyatt and you recruited him and he was your guy, and this kind of goes for twenty twenty one too, because there's a lot of receivers in the state that can run. There's a lot, and there and, and besides Hyatt, there was the kid from Saluda that went to Virginia Tech, and uh, so the guy from kid from Chiral, uh, they can all run, and, and you're sitting here with lumbering receivers. And I'm not saying the Gamecocks will end up doing that. But at the end of the day, if, you're, if you have lumbering receivers and you can't take the top off a of defense like a lot of people do these days, and you got Ryan Helensky as your quarterback who is a pro-style guy with a big arm that needs that, you know, it's recruiting malpractice. Uh, had you taken Jalen Hyatt, and if he didn't work out, people were just like, well, you're just taking the kid from Dutch Fork. That's fine. At least he could run. So it's a gamble sometimes when, when, you, when you talk about decisions like that. And I, I'm not saying they made a mistake. I'm saying in a year where you obviously need speed at that position, you know, let's hope they got it because there was a lot of speed right down the road. <laughs> and uh, you just over, over, overlooked it. And so, you know, we'll see kind of uh, – or you didn't want it. So we'll see kind of how that ends up playing out. Um, you know, I talked about one receiver uh, stepping up when I was asked on the Friday episode. Uh, I mentioned, you know, Mike Wyman. Let's just kind of hope that 
you know, his senior year was an aberration. He's already on campus working out. Uh, he's a guy that when you looked at his junior film, a lot of good ball skills, good body control, smooth operator, you know, fast enough on junior film. Lots of questions about his speed. Hadn't gotten him on a clock. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to throw dirt on him. Still a four-star kid that had a lot of offers. Uh, that certainly played a lot of good football prior to his senior year up at Dudley in Greensboro, North Carolina. So, you know, we'll see if the narrative surrounding Mike Wyman ends up being true or not. Uh, I will remind you that, uh, oh gosh, I don't even, I don't, do I remember the kid's name? Kid that went to NC State from uh, New Jersey that ended up, was committed to Carolina. The, the new staff came in, they wanted somebody else. Um, they took Chavis Dawkins instead. Chavis Dawkins certainly had his moments at South Carolina, but uh, this kid ended up being a, a um, one of the best receivers NC State had. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, the knock on him was he was too slow. So, you know, maybe all this North Carolina talk about, you know, he wasn't fast enough. And, and, and that came from UNC. You know, don't get me wrong, came from UNC. Uh, maybe that's just kind of talk, you know, like like – some schools put that out there, you know, in the universe. And uh, it ends up not being true. Now, sometimes it does. And uh, because Wyman did not have a great senior year and he wasn't on the clock anywhere or anything like that, you know, you, you don't know. You can't say for sure it's not true. But he's already at South Carolina. hadn't heard much about him. But, you know, he's a guy that obviously is going to get an opportunity uh, this spring. Uh, you know, and he did some good things on film. Uh, when it comes to his, you know, performance as a high school receiver. Moving on down the line, Rico Powers uh, was in Savannah, then went to Hapeville Charter in Atlanta. Gamecocks got him. Sticking with the Shaq Rowland comparison here, and, and Shaq Rowland as a player, um, kind of that 6'1", 6'2", 180, 190-pound guy that can run, but that's very elusive. Uh, I think in the open field, he's got some sizzle to him. Um, I think he comes in, you know, works hard. He could be a guy that you could see on the field early for sure. Um, you know, not a burner, but not not what I would call slow either. I think he's got breakaway, enough breakaway speed. Like I said, uh, he's a lot like Shaq Rowland um, to me. You know, Keith – uh, from the lot on the Gamecocks podcast, my former podcast and good friend, he says Pharaoh Cooper. Um, we can only hope, I think, if we're if we're looking at Pharaoh Cooper. I mean, I think that that's – and I see with some of the elusiveness from the line of scrimmage and stuff, I see what he's getting at. I think Shaq Rowland had that same type of ability. Um, so, you know, I think what we probably all should should pull for, the outcome here – would be if Shaq Rowland had, you know, stayed on the straight and narrow and balled out for all four years. You know, I think he'd have been a pretty good receiver uh, for the Gamecocks. Uh, when all is said and done, without a doubt. But that's, you know, the point of all this is, no matter who the player comparison is, and I hate player comparisons, I, I find myself using them more and more because for a podcast audience, uh, I think it's easier to, to throw a player comparison out than to sit there and, get into a bunch of, uh, you know, scouting mumbo-jumbo. Uh, I think writing-wise, when you write it on the Internet or something like that, you can kind of get it more in-depth 
uh, and talk about it. But I, I use a lot on the podcast these days just because it's it's fun, you know. It's fun, and I'm not worried about being, you know, necessarily right 100% of the time anymore in terms of exact player comparisons. That's why I always avoided them. Because, honestly, I'll, I'll say this. You cannot make a valid player comparison because – and I know we do it at 24-7 sports now, and it drives me crazy. Because at the end of the day, every player is different. Every player is different. There are players that are similar, but every player is different, and that's what makes this sport special. Every player is different. I mean, you know, you, you, you kind of look, and uh, I saw in a mock draft where Javon Kinlaw was projected to go to the Jaguars, because Calais Campbell, you know, it may be a cap casualty for them. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, you know, Javon Kinlaw is Javon Kinlaw. He's not Calais Campbell, although they're similar. Um, so, I, you know, who knows? Javon Kinlaw could be Eric Armstead. But Eric Armstead's Eric Armstead. Javon Kinlaw is Javon Kinlaw, you know. I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. But, but I think it's good for you guys uh, – to have a point of reference because like you're, you're not sitting here. I mean, some of you do, and I appreciate that, but you, you don't have time to sit there and, and watch film uh, and break it down and, and get feedback and all that. That's what, that's what you listen to me for or read me for, or have a VIP membership to the big for. So, you know, I get it. So anyway, there's my little spiel as to why I'm suddenly using more player comparisons. I think, um, you know, and so I think with powers and, and with a receiver too, it's a lot easier because you you do have certain styles of receiver. Um, and this next guy we compared to Sidney Rice, uh, Jakari Caldwell from Northwestern, um, senior riser, uh, kind of a, a guy that you know I, I don't think the Gamecocks could afford not to take. Um, bigger guy, six four, long strider, fast enough, good, good enough hands. Uh, Gamecocks were his dream school, was committed to East Carolina. Boy, he would have been a hell of a steal for ECU. ECU signed some good players from within the state, too. That that Mason Garcia kid from Carolina Force, the quarterback, um, our guys, Charles Power, loves him. Um, and a lot of college coaches I've talked to that recruit the Carolinas love him. And uh, they think he's going to be big time. If he had grades, you know, he probably would have gone someplace different than East Carolina. But um, uh, so there's – ECU's done their homework. Uh, them and Appalachian State uh, have really done a good job in the state of South Carolina, you know, if you're looking for other schools that come and get players. But, um, you know, they had him, and the Gamecocks ended up getting him. Um, you know, style-wise, he compares to Sydney. Now, can he be as productive as Sydney? Um, I don't know. Will we ever know how productive Sidney Rice could have been in 2004 had he not gotten hurt right before the Georgia game? I don't know. You know, you hear Lou Holtz talk. Uh, he's like, Sidney Rice got hurt in preseason in that game right before the game. Well, you hear him talk about that because Sidney Rice was setting records um, during that first year of Spurrier, the second year. Um, but, you know, you didn't really hear a whole lot about him. I mean, you heard a lot about Troy Williamson, rightfully so. So, who knows what would have happened. Boy, Troy Williamson and Sidney Rice. Can you imagine this? What if Troy Williamson had stayed for Spurrier's first year? You'd have had – and then Savelle Newton would have stayed healthy. 
you would have had by the end of the year Sidney, Savell Newton running, doing whatever he did all over the place. Uh, you'd have had Troy Williamson, and you'd have had Kenny McKinley. And then you know that's not not to mention guys like Noah Whiteside who you know showed up every now and then. And then you know Chris Clark actually played pretty well as a slot receiver uh, for that team that year. But uh, you know, wow. Thinking back to that, that was something else. But so, so, so we don't know if Jakari Caldwell. We don't know what Sidney Rice would have done as a true freshman. So if Jakari Caldwell comes in and maybe doesn't play a whole lot, you don't. I mean, you know, Sidney didn't play at all because he got hurt his true freshman year. And I think that comparison to me is more the long striding, the wiriness of him, of Caldwell, how he goes up and get how he kind of moves on the football field. Because Alshon Jeffrey was another big receiver with the 70 speed. Alshon moves different than Sidney Rice did, though. When you watch Alshon move around, he moves different. And so that that's kind of where that comparison's coming from. Sidney had a smoothness about him that uh, I think Caldwell possesses. So, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll see about these guys. Um, seems like every year we, we look at the receivers they bring in, everybody's excited, and then, you know, nothing happens. Either they get hurt. You know, uh, 2016, obviously bringing in Brian Edwards was a big deal. He was one of the top receivers on the team that year and ended up setting a bunch of records. Uh, you know, but you also had your Ranricus Davises of the world that – couldn't stay healthy. Um, you know, you keep moving forward and, you know, Shy Smith, and then you got Ortrey Smith that can't stay healthy. Um, injuries, as much as a lot of things, has had to do with the receivers not doing good. And that's, you know, from a performance standpoint, I don't, I don't know that you can hang the injuries on an assistant coach. And there goes my friend in the motorcycle again. Um, I, I, I think that's an institutional thing. I mean, I think I think that's a that's a head coach on down, uh, strength staff, training staff, luck of the draw, whatever. You know, so you can't blame Brian McClendon because Renriquez Davis can't stay healthy. You know, or or Trey Smith or whoever. Um, and, and that's not the issue. When I look at the position and why I think they've underachieved. Uh, is, you know, let's go to 2018, the drops. I mean, the drops. And then they started dropping passes this year, some of them. You know, you you cannot drop passes. (laughs) And uh, that's fundamentals. And that's something a position coach has to make sure the guy's not dropping passes. If they can't catch, they don't need to be playing football at South Carolina. You know? I mean, you better be – and that's the thing, too, that's frustrating is you have drops with this receiving core. But, you know, outside of Debo Samuel and Shai Smith, you don't really – you didn't really have blazing speed. You know, Brian Edwards faster than people think, fast enough. But it's not like you got a bunch of burners out there that you're like, all right, these guys are going to drop some, but they're going to make up for it because they're not very fast. And so that's what's frustrating when you look at it overall. I think there's been too much emphasis on size at receiver. And look, I think you need big receivers. But I think you need speed, too. And if you can't find big receivers that are blazing fast, there's guys that are 5'10 that can do it. And there's a lot of schools around the country that use guys that big, and they're damn good. So, 
I don't know, because to me, a touchdown's a touchdown. But anyway, so we'll kind of see how this works out. I, I think that, you know, I am in wait-and-see mode with this entire receiving core. You know, I, I, some people rightfully do not agree that Shai Smith could be a number one receiver. I, I'm kind of just 50, like 51% on the other side of I think he can. Um, I think Xavier Leggett, his development between now and the start of the season is critical. Are they going to be able to develop him? Um, and then we talked about DeCarry and Joyner moving too. I mean, are you going to be able to put him in position to make some plays? How much better can Josh Van get? Um, he led the league in drops last year and doesn't look like he's wanting to play any faster. He is fast. Doesn't want to play any faster. Will Rodriguez Davis be back? I don't know. So there's a lot of question marks with this group. And, you know, here's the thing that people have to keep in mind. You're about to run a pro-style offense. Yes, it's going to have spread elements. And, yes, when we say pro-style offense these days, um, we're not necessarily talking about eight yard, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust out of the eye. Uh, because LSU, what they did this past year, that is a pro-style offense. They, Scott, they just hired Scott Lenahan to keep it rolling. Uh, you look at the Chiefs and, you know, the 49ers this year, you know, pro-style offenses aren't – that doesn't mean what it used to mean. Uh, now, do I think South Carolina could run a pro-style offense like Alabama or like Georgia's been trying to do? No. But LSU, that's pro-style. I mean, that's – it's all sort of with the RPOs and all that stuff. It's all sort of meshing together. Right now, that's why we see guys like Lincoln Riley being talked about for NFL jobs. That's why Cliff Kingsbury's in the NFL. Uh, it's 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 become pro balls become very innovative offensively, uh, especially in the past game the last few years. And you know, heck, you know, like I said, look at LSU. Look what look what they did, uh, and that that was not some uh, amazing system. That was them calling the ball plays and not being afraid. You know, that was a that was a, a that was kind of what Steve Spurrier used to do. You know, Steve Spurrier's not afraid to go five wide on first and ten. And somebody told me that when they were watching LSU, they're like, you know, South Carolina, we just gotta be afraid not to go five we're not we can't be afraid to go five wide on first and ten. Let's hope the Gamecocks have five wide. <laughs> um tight ends Coming in, Bobby Bentley did a great job recruiting tight ends this year, I think. And I'm including Eric Shaw, uh, who he personally recruited, and Jaheim Bell, who he personally recruited in this. You know, Eric Shaw's a guy that ended up being ranked 106th in the country. You know, Auburn kept messing around with him. I don't know that they knew where to play him. Um, he's a guy that could certainly play buck or linebacker on defense, but he's a tight end for right now, so that's what we're going at. Uh, so Joe Cox uh, is going to inherit – you know, one of the best athletes in the class. He's from Real Town High School in Alabama. That's one of my favorite high school names. Um, you know, the answer on him is what's he going to play? Wherever he wants to. Wherever he sets his mind at playing. I don't know. You know, you look at his clips, he looks like he can catch. You know, maybe he starts out at receiver. I certainly would not be afraid to try him there. Um but, you know, obviously, you know, you've got a lot you can do with him. He's just got to learn a spot. Uh, and then Jaheim Bell, who's one of the best players with the ball in their hands in this class. I don't know that Jaheim Bell and DeCarian Joyner, because they're kind of the same size. Um, I know we all want Jaheim Bell to be a tight end, and 
he's listed at that, but I don't know that he's not a guy that you move around. Uh, same with Joyner. You know, I said on the podcast earlier this week, I was like, I'll, I will be against it if you're sitting here just saying, okay, well, Jaheim Bell's a tight end. And he's great with the ball in his hands, but he can't block, so we're not going to play him. You got to maximize everybody that can make a play on offense, in my opinion. Um, and so, well, all right, can he play slot receiver? Well, he can run routes and he can catch. Well, let's coach him up there. Um, same with Joyner, you know, and these two guys, too, just looking at what Bell did on film. Now, Bell's got to get healthy and Joyner's hamstring's got to heal. We all know that. Looking at him on film, I would hand to Kerry and Joyner and Jaheim Bell the ball from scrimmage. These guys can run. They can make people miss. They can break tackles. Um, so I, I don't know that Bell won't start out at receiving. Now, Kevin Mullins going to going to tight ends interesting. Um, I think he's just gotten too big. We talked about that. So maybe they trade. Maybe they send Jaheim uh, to receiver, at least teach him how to do it. Or something. I think you split him out and he can make things happen. Now he's got to get healthy. So – Maybe he's not ready this year, but he's one of the best players with the ball in his hands in the entire class. And so we'll kind of see what happens. Um, a lot of question marks at tight end in terms of guys getting healthy. Nick Muse obviously is the big one. I, I thought I think he can actually have you know quite a run in this offensive system uh, at tight end. So overall, you know they got more playmakers. Uh, I think especially at tight end, they added more athleticism. Uh, if you consider Powers and Caldwell and the known qualities that they have, you'd probably have to say they added some athleticism at receiver as well. Um, you just got to take a wait-and-see approach with that spot. All right, so that's the wide receiver tight end recruiting special here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast coming to you on a Sunday morning, February 23rd. Um, I did not record this live, so I do not know what the basketball outcome was. I hope all you guys, all you Gamecocks this morning are celebrating a victory, though. Don't forget, no show tomorrow. I'll be coming back, traveling from St. Louis. We'll be back Tuesday, taking you into all kinds of fun things. Spring practice for football starting. Hopefully we talk more March Madness and bubble. Um, baseball series with Clemson is that coming weekend. So... There's lots to get into as we continue to follow the Gamecocks here in 2020. This is J.C. Sherbert. Everybody have a great day, and we'll holla at you soon.